Well, I thank you, preacher. God bless you. It takes an old man just a little while to get from there up to here. I appreciate your patience. It's a joy to be here this morning. God bless you for coming. Open your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 20. The book of Revelation in chapter 20. May I say again, thank you, church, for a nice place to stay. You women, how in the world, where in the world did you learn to cook like that? Uh, if, if I lived in your house, I'd be as big as a horse. I'm almost that big anyway. Uh, but I appreciate all the good food. And that's in case I eat so much this afternoon, I've got the strength to say it after in the, in the afternoon service. So I thought I'd better get it out of the way now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Privileged to be here. I appreciate your pastor. A real, well-balanced man of God. I know lots of guys. I know my best friends in the world are preachers. Well, Jim Waymarsh one of them. His wife was one of them. She's a pretty good preacher. Uh, I'm only kidding about that, of course. Uh, but uh, I'll be honest with you. They're not all as well-balanced as your pastor is. And Brother Waymar. And that's why I appreciate it. Real man of God. God bless you, Brother Boothborough. Thank you so much for being my friend. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, if you're able to, would you stand with me, please? In reverence to the public reading of the Word of God. I'm reading beginning with verse number 11. I want you to keep something in mind. This is after the rapture, after the tribulation period on earth, after the millennial reign of Christ, uh, the second advent, and after the millennial reign of Christ. At the tail end of the thousand-year reign, this event takes place. It says in verse 11, And I saw, this is John speaking in prophetic vision, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books, plural, the books were open. And another book, singular, was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. And death, that's where the body goes, and hell, that's where the soul went, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Don't close your Bibles. Bow with me, please, and let me pray. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this great church, this dear man of God and his precious people. Thank you for good friends all across this great land of ours. I pray your blessing upon them uh, and their ministry here. Thank you for the blessing that's been to the community and uh, the souls that have been saved here continue to do work here, I pray, until you return. And Lord, we would pray with the Apostle of old, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We look forward to seeing you. But until you do, help us to be busy and occupy about your business. I do pray, O oh God, that if there is one here today who is not 100% sure for a Bible reason... If he died, he'd go to heaven. That you'd help that one to see and feel and realize once and for all his need, uh, his or her. And help that one to be willing to turn to you in simple childlike faith receive you even today. Have your will done in our hearts. Give us a greater burden to reach sinners than we've ever had before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. I'm going to preach this morning on uh, what I call the final sentencing of the unsaved dead. This passage describes an event that takes place uh, after the rapture, after the tribulation period, after the second advent of Christ, after the millennial reign of Christ, just before the destruction of the old earth and the old heaven and the, the rebuilding of the new, just before eternity, what we call eternity, begins for us. And I, I realize eternity has no beginning and no ending. We often talk about eternity past, eternity future, etc. No such thing. 
In eternity, there is no beginning and there is no end. But you understand what I'm saying. We have to talk in terms that I understand and that you understand. Um, this event takes place. It's a tragic event. But at the same time, it's a glorious event. It's called the Great White Throne Judgment because um, when John introduces it by saying, And I saw a great white throne. That's a good name for it. It's always good to take a biblical title for an event. However, because of the content of this event, I'm calling it the final sentencing of the unsaved dead. And I'll tell you why. This is not a judicial judgment to determine who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. That is determined on earth before you draw your last breath. It's all determined by what you've done with Jesus Christ. What do I have to do to go to heaven? Jesus said, you must be born again. What do I have to do to go to hell? Absolutely nothing. That's all. Nothing. Because you're already going there due to the fact that you're a sinner. Uh, but you do have to receive him in order to be saved and go to heaven. Uh, this event is not a judicial judgment to decide uh, who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. These people at this judgment will find out have already been resurrected out of hell uh, to appear there. And they're cast into the lake of fire. This is actually a sentencing hearing. If you'll picture it in your mind somewhat like uh, our judicial system. Somebody commits a crime and they're... Uh, they, they, they go to jail. And then, uh, you know, they go to jail because they're, they're sure that they committed the crime. They spend some time in jail. Then they're taken out to a judgment, to a court. Among other things, that court decides the sentencing they should receive. And then they go, I, I'm talking about, you know, should be in many cases. Then they go to their sentencing place which usually is a faraway prison somewhere. This event is somewhat like that. These people have already been in hell because they died without Jesus Christ. They spent some time in the prison house of hell. Now they're taken out and they show up at this judgment for a sentencing hearing. Now I'll explain that to you if you'll, if you'll try to stay awake. Uh, and they are sent from there to the eternal prison house of the damned. The place the Bible calls the lake of fire. This is not a judgment hearing. This is a sentencing hearing. That's all. You understand that? Now, I used to labor under the idea that this probably took place in heaven. However, after more thought, a little bit more study, I'm convinced that it's not going to take place in heaven. I'm convinced that it's going to take place on earth. Now, if you don't believe that, that's probably all right with me. This is merely an incidental. But let me explain to you why. In the first place, this event takes place on earth. I assume it takes place right after the millennial reign of Christ. And there's nothing in the text that millennial reign is described in the first ten verses of this chapter and there's nothing between verses 10 and 11 that say, now Jesus goes back to heaven. Doesn't say that. So I have to assume that it takes place on earth. The second reason I am convinced of that is, uh, it does not say in the text, I saw the great white throne and from whose face the heaven and the earth fled away. It doesn't say that. It says from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. But if you have a multiplicity of places, you mark it down. The first place mentioned is where that event takes place. But the real thing that convinces me that this is not taking place in heaven is you will never find in all of the Bible where any of the unsaved are taken to heaven for anything. Never. It never occurs. It never occurs in the Bible. Therefore, I'm convinced that this takes place on the earth. I want you to go with me. I, we'll take a tour, a guided tour. 
And I want us to go with John, who's the writer, into the divine throne room, into the divine courthouse. And as we enter the courthouse, the very first thing that John notices is not the massive sea of people that are surrounding the throne. Let him mention that. The very first thing that John notices is not even the presence of the divine judge on the throne. The very first thing that John mentions is the throne itself. John says, and I saw a great white throne. Now John calls this, uh, we call I call it the imperial throne. He calls it a great throne. That word great is the word from which we get our word mega. It means massive. It means insurpassable. John is so taken up with the view of this throne that he calls it a massive, impassable, uh, unlimited throne. Then he calls it a white throne. White in the Bible always symbolizes glory and purity and deity. And the fact is, it's called that because of the one who sits on it. If you were to read Matthew 25, I think it is, verse 31, that throne is called the throne of His glory. But the very first thing we see as we enter the courtroom with John is the imperial throne. And then we notice immediately on the imperial throne sits the impartial judge. The judge at this judgment is not God the Father. The judge at this judgment is not God the Holy Spirit. The judge at this judgment is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 22, The Father judgeth no man, but has committed all judgment to the Son. You study Bible prophecy, you'll find that there are uh, around five, at least five major judgments yet to take place. We talked about a, a couple of them in the Sunday school hour. Immediately after the rapture, in the heavens somewhere, will be the judgment seat of Christ. While those of us who are saved will receive reward for our service for Christ on earth. At that judgment, Jesus Christ will be the judge. At the end of the tribulation period, beginning of the millennium, will, the judgment of Israel will take place. At that judgment, the judge will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately after that judgment will take place the judgment of Gentile nations. And this is all to determine who gets to go on earth from the tribulation period into the millennium. At that judgment, the judge will be Jesus Christ. At the end of the millennial reign of Christ in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, you will find the fallen angels and Satan himself will be judged. Now, I'm going to be frank with you. I don't like funerals. I don't like funerals, period. By the way, I'm older than some of you. If... If the Lord takes me and I have to go by coffin instead of by cloud, and you just happen, you have nothing else to do, so you attend my funeral. When you come forward and look in the casket, don't you dare say, don't he look good? All right, don't he look so natural? I sit up and hit you on top of the head. Now, I don't like funerals. Anybody's, anybody's. I just don't like them. However, that funeral, the devil's funeral, I'm going to have a time. I plan to kick up my heels. You're going to think I'm Pentecostal, except for the fact that you'll understand every word I say. <laughs> but I'm going to enjoy, at that, at that judge, that judgment, Jesus Christ will be the judge. And then immediately after that judgment, that funeral, verses 11 through 15 in our text, will be the great white throne, or the final sentence of the unsaved dead. And in that judgment, Jesus Christ will be the judge. On the imperial throne sits the impartial judge. Before the impartial judge stand the impenitent captives. Who are they? 
I'll make a statement, then I'll show you the scripture. They are all of the unsaved from all periods of history. The Bible says at that time that hell will regurgitate the souls, the grave will cough up the bodies of all of the unsaved, they'll be reunited, and they'll stand before the Son of God. The Bible says, John said, I saw the dead. By the way, the saved are never referred in the Bible to as the dead. We might be called the dead in Christ. We might be called the living, but we're never referred to as the dead. This is unsaved people. John said, I saw the dead, small and great. You know what that means? It means the rich will be there. No amount of money will get them out of this. The poor will be there. It means the educated will be there. And the uneducated will be there. It means the red, the yellow, the black, the white will all be there. It means those who are good members of good churches, if they were without Christ, will be there. It means the atheist who denied even the existence of God. You've got to deny reason to do that. He'll be there. Everybody from the first man that ever died without Christ back in Genesis to the last one that ever lived on earth. Everybody who's not saved will stand before God. And death coughs up the bodies and hell regurgitates the souls. They'll stand before God on the imperial throne sits the impartial judge. Before the impartial judge stand the impenitent captives. The judge reaches forward and he picks up some books. Now the Bible mentions a book, singular. We'll talk about that one later. But he picks up the books and he opens the irrefutable record. The Bible says that out of those books, these uh, these impenitent captives will be judged based on their works, it says in this passage. Now, you wait a minute, preacher. I thought you weren't saved by works. Well, I have a question for you. Have you forgotten already? This is not a judicial judgment. It's a sentencing hearing. That's all. These people have already been in hell. They've been taken out of hell. Some have spent just a little while there. Some earlier lost people have spent many years there. But they're not saved. And the Bible teaches that uh, that uh, just, listen carefully, just like there are degrees of reward in heaven for the saved, there are also degrees of punishment in hell for the lost. Now, I'm not saying hell will be longer for some than other. It will be eternal for all. I am saying that it will be hotter in hell for some than for others. The Bible, you read Matthew 11 and Matthew 23 carefully. And the corresponding uh, passages in the other three Gospels. You'll find that Jesus talked about hell being more tolerable for some than others. Jesus talked about greater damnation for some than others. Jesus talked about some being twofold more the child of hell than others. Just like there are degrees of punishment in heaven for the same, there are equally degrees of punishment in the lake of fire for the unsaved. Now, this passage is based on their works. However, Jesus also said in other places, much given, much required. Little given, little required, all in the same context. You know what that tells me? Not only will their judgment be based on their lifestyle, it will also be based on the light that they've had opportunity to receive but rejected. With that in mind, now I say to you that if I were going to go to hell, I'm not, by the way, so relax. But if I were going to go to hell, I would not want to go to hell from America. I'd much rather go to hell from New Guinea, or the dark jungles of Hottentot Africa. And I'll tell you why. Here in this country, every city, every town, every hamlet of any healthy size at all 
you will find some kind of a gospel preaching church. Might not be true to the Word of God in all aspects, but gospel preaching. Everywhere you turn, you go to some places. Jim and I both went to school. You won't, you won't believe this. We went to school together uh, back in the 1960s. And uh, where we went to school, there's a church on almost every street corner, Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's America. In this country, if you don't have a Bible or a New Testament and you want one, you can go to any store at all that's, uh, that has any inventory of literature, and you'll find a copy of the Bible. And it won't be very expensive. You can go for a dollar or less. You can go to any neighborhood. And if you, you want to know how to be saved and go to heaven, just start knocking on doors. Go door to door. And you'll eventually find somebody who either can tell you how to be saved or they'll direct you to somebody who can. I'm saying that's the United States of America. You can turn on the radio or TV or YouTube. You'll find a lot of junk. But you'll also find some form, you listen enough, you'll find some form of a gospel preacher. I'm saying, neighbor, this is a great land. There has never been a society as enlightened as the society in which you and I grew up. If I were going to go to hell, I would not want to go to hell from America. I'd much rather go to hell from heathen, hot and taught Africa. Well, they've never seen a missionary. They've never seen a copy of the Word of God. They've never heard a gospel song. They've never sat under a preaching or a teaching session. They've never met a Christian. They've never heard the name of God or Jesus Christ. Not even in a cuss word. If I were going to go to hell, I'd much rather go to hell from that place. Because Jesus had much given, much required. Little given, little required. Here in the divine courtroom... We face the, the, the imperial throne. On the imperial throne sits the impartial judge. Before the impartial judge are filed, lined up the impenitent captives. The impartial judge opens the irrefutable records to judge them based on the light they've had opportunity to receive and their works. And then that impartial judge calls forward the influential witnesses. Now you won't see it clearly in this passage, but if you'll compare Scripture with Scripture, you'll find out that although we the saved will not be judged there, we will be there. Jesus said, excuse me, Paul said at the rapture. But once the rapture occurs and we're out of here with the Lord Jesus Christ, so shall we always be with Him. Why, if He's the judge, then we have to be there, somewhere in the vicinity. And do you know the Bible even says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Know ye not that the saints, that's the saved, shall judge the world. That's the unsaved. We will actually have a part in judging the unsaved at this sentencing hearing. Now, we are not told whether it will just be our presence there that will be testimony enough against them. That's, I'm inclined to believe that's probably going to be the, mo the most of it. However, it's very, very possible, very likely, that we'll be called forward to witness to every opportunity we've had to tell them about Jesus Christ. And we'll testify for every gospel trap we've placed in their hand. And we'll tell about every time we've invited that person to come and sit under a gospel preacher. Somehow, don't know if that's going to be it or not, somehow we, the saved, will be there as the influential witnesses. I'm going to be real frank with you. That is downright scary. Scares the fire out of me. For this reason, you and I have loved ones who have not done everything we can to reach them for Jesus Christ. You and I have neighbors 
Maybe I would never knock on their door. You and I have had fellow employees who we've met one time invited them to church or tried to get them under the sound of the gospel. And we show up standing beside or behind the judge, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that loved one or that friend is called forward. God does not judge groups. He judges individuals. And that loved one is called forward. And he spots you in the crowd. And he says, Hey! You never told me about this. Why, you told me a lot of nice things and you tried to help me through life. You were very kind and generous. But not one time did you ever warn me of this. I hate your guts. And vitriolic hatred will bounce off the walls of the lake of fire from their lips. All because you and I were remiss and our responsibility to warn them. On the imperial throne sits the impartial judge. Before the impartial judge stand the impenitent captives. The impartial judge opens the irrefutable records and calls the influential witnesses. And he has to hand down to each one, individual, one by one, the irrevocable sentence. I find that sentence in verses 14 and 15, where it says, And death, that's where the body goes. And hell, that's where the soul went. Were cast into, that word cast means violently hurled, into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And then for a little more clarity, he continues, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was violently hurled, cast into the lake of fire. What a sentence. No parole, no probation, no plea bargaining. Whosoever not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life is violently hurled, the Bible indicates, by the angels into the lake of fire. Now, some people believe that the lake of fire is the same thing as hell. Some believe it's different personally. Uh, you can believe what you want. It's not a big deal. But I kind of think it's probably a, uh, uh, it's got to be a different place for this reason. Jesus said that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. But you don't find the devil going to hell. You find him being cast into the lake of fire. Same place, excuse me, not the same place. In verse 10. The Bible calls hell eternal fire. Eternal punishment. Why, if it ends and then a new place, it's not eternal. So I kind of think that it's got to, whether it's the same location or not, it's the same place. Before the impartial judge on the, on the imperial throne set the, uh, sets the impartial judge. Before him, them, him stands the impenitent captives. He opens the irrefutable records. And he calls you and me, the influential witnesses. And he passes down the irrevocable sentence. But there's one more thing I find here. It's not readily seen on the surface, but you'll see it. I see... The indispensable grace of God. Why well, say, preacher, I'll see that anywhere in that passage. I don't see anything about the grace of God in there. Well, look at it. It says, And I saw a great white throne, verse 11. Him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. Then it says, and another book, singular, was opened. And it describes that book in verse 14 and 15 as being the book of life. Just the presence of a book of life demonstrates to me the indispensable grace of God. There is a book where your name can be placed if you're saved. Book of life. Because whosoever is not found written in the book of life cast into the lake of fire. That means whosoever is in the book of life is in the other place. 
what we place we call heaven. I'm saying, neighbor, you don't have to go to hell. You don't have to find your name absent from the book of life. You don't have to stand before the impartial judge on his imperial throne. You don't have to spend eternity in the lake of fire. You can go to a place that uh, wherein all the redeemed of all ages sing the praises of God in a place of perfect peace and bliss and happiness, unimaginable forever. Can you imagine a place with no sorrow? Can you imagine a place with no tears? Can you imagine a place where they never hang black crepe on the doorknob? Can you imagine a place where there's no goodbyes? Can you imagine a place where there's no death? Can you imagine a place where there's no sin? Where all is literally, literally heaven. Because we're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what that book of life tells me about. You don't have to go to hell. Tell you a story and then I'm finished. Well, it's a story. It's actually a song. I'm not going to sing it, so don't run. The songwriter said, Last night as I was sleeping, a dream came to me. I dreamed about the end of time, about eternity. Why oh, I saw a million people stand on their face, fall on their faces to pray. But the Savior sadly shook his head. And this I heard him say, Sorry! I never knew you. I find no record of your birth. Sorry, I never knew you. Go and serve the one you served on earth. And then I saw my wife and my babies dressed in robes of purest white with crowns upon their heads. My little girl looked up to me, and this is what she said. Daddy, Daddy, we can't go with you. We must stay on this beautiful shore. Sorry, Daddy. We still love you. But you can't be our Daddy anymore. And then as I awakened with tears in my eyes, I looked around about me, and to my great surprise, I saw my wife and my babies. I knew I'd had a dream. So there upon my face I fell and for mercy I did scream, Father, which art in heaven, in mercy look on me today. Forgive me, let me serve you till the summons comes and calls me away. Question. Don't, don't answer out loud. Are you 100% sure? The crowd this size just about anywhere. I can't imagine there not being somebody who's not saved. Are you 100% sure for a Bible reason that heaven is your home? If you're not, there's only one smart thing for you to do, and that's run to Jesus. Run to Calvary before it's too late. Don't put it off. The most foolish thing you can do is listen to the devil's suggestion next time. Put it off another day. Hell is full of people who intended to be saved one day. But death came unexpected and they woke up in hell. Don't let that be you. Would you bow with me please for prayer? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking. But that's the pianist if she'll come and sis, just prepare the song of your choice and after I pray, I'll give you a signal like this to begin the song. Please listen carefully. How many in this room can honestly say, and you better be honest with God about this. How many in this room can honestly say, Preacher, I am 100% sure, not 95% sure, not 99% sure, I'm 100% sure for a Bible reason, if I were to drop dead right now, I'd go to heaven. I'm saved and I know it. If you can say yes to that all over the house, just as a testimony between you and me and the Lord, lift your hand and let me see it. 
Preacher, I'm 100% sure. God bless you. What a wonderful testimony. Thank you. Put your hands down. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. May I say, if you could not or did not raise your hand, thank you for your honesty. Is there one here today who would say, Preacher, I could not, did not, or should not have raised my hand? I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved. Now, I understand it might be that you're saved, but for some reason you lack assurance, you need to get it nailed down to a Bible promise. It might be that you've made profession of faith before. It doesn't matter. We're talking about heaven and hell and your never-dying soul. Safe is better than sorry. Preacher, I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved and on my way to heaven, but I would like to be. Would you pray for me? Is there one like that? Just lift your hand. Let me see your hand. God bless you. Is there another? God bless you. I promise you. I promise you. I will not call you out in public. I will not point you out. I will not embarrass you. I will pray for you in such a fashion that nobody will ever know by my prayer for whom I am praying. Preacher, I'm just not sure. But I'd like to be. Would you pray for me? Are there others who will join these? Just slip the hand up quickly and put it back down. Let me remember you in the closing prayer. God bless you. Are there others? Quickly. Heavenly Father, as I promised, I pray, O God, for these raise the hand indicating I'm just not 100% sure, but I'd like to be. And I pray that you'd help them to understand that we're all sinners. And that the payment for being a sinner is the eternal lake of fire. And I pray that you'd help them to understand, Lord Jesus, that when you died on the cross 2,000 years ago and rose from the dead, you made their sin payment for them, paid it in full, past, present, and future. And I pray that you'd help them even at this moment, once and for all, in simple, childlike faith, to open their heart say yes to you and receive you as their personal Savior. Please, please, don't let them put it off another dangerous, unsure moment. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. I'm going to ask the pastor if he'll come and stand right down here in the front. Listen carefully. In a moment, I'm going to have another prayer, and then we'll have some music. And uh, you'll, you'll probably say, we'll be standing, you'll probably see a few folks come to the altar just to pray. If you raised your hand indicating, I'm not sure that I've been saved, but I'd like to be sure, I'm asking you on the very first note, step out into the aisle, come down to the front, just come to the pastor. You don't have to say anything. You go to him, he'll know why you've come. Let him take you off to the side and open the Bible and share with you in just a moment or two of your time how to be 100% sure that heaven is your home and get it nailed down. Please, I beg you, I beg you, don't put it off. Every time you hear the gospel, it will be easier to say no and harder to say yes. Until one day you won't be able to find the ability to say yes. Don't put it off. Please, I beg you. Heads about and eyes are closed. How many in this room are, would say, Preacher, I'm saved and I know it. And I raised my hand to testify of that. But Brother Tully, God rang my bell. In all honesty, Preacher, I have loved ones. I have friends. I have acquaintances. And they're not saved. And I haven't done everything within my power to reach them. But I wanted to promise God right now that if He'll help me from this moment forward, I'm going to do my best to point some of them to Jesus Christ. If you're willing to make a promise similar to that to God all over the house, as some already have, would you lift your hand to indicate that promise all over the house? God bless you. God bless you. Let's all stand together, please, for prayer. Everyone standing, if you're able to. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I don't know what else to say. I've done the best I know how. And I pray, oh God, that you'd help each one just to respond to your wooing. I pray especially for these who have raised their hand indicating that they're not sure they're saved and on their way to heaven, but they'd like to be. And I pray that you'd help them, O oh God, to have the courage during this invitation to step out, come down to the front, come to the pastor, 
And let him pray with them and show them an encouraging verse or two to help them along the way in that area. Point them to you. Then, Father, I pray for these who have raised their hand with me, indicating a promise that we are making to you. And I pray, O oh God, that you'd help those who are sincere about that promise to have the courage now to solidify that promise. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment, I'm going to raise my hand and point to the piano. When I do, she'll begin the song. If you raised your hand indicating, I'm not sure that I'm saved, but I'd like to be, this is the opportunity for you to be sure. I'm asking you to leave your place. Go to the nearest aisle, come to the preacher, let him open the Bible and share with you how to be 100% sure and pray with you about it. It won't take but a couple of months. No, I'm not asking you to join the church. That's fine in its place, but it's not the door to heaven. I'm asking you to come to Jesus Christ once and for all. If you raised your hand indicating a promise you're making to God, Christian, I'm asking you if you are sincere about that promise. To leave your place when the music begins, go to the aisle, come down to the front, find a place at this altar and up here. You tell God in your own words what you told Him back there by the raising of your hand. If you'll do that, I promise it'll help you to solidify that vow. So as soon as music begins, you come quickly. While she plays from all over the house. If you're coming just to pray, when you're finished, get up and go back to your seat. Nobody will bother you. If you're not sure that you're saved, come to the pastor. Praise the Lord. Come to him now. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Hallelujah. All the others that need to come. I'm not asking you to become a Baptist. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to get baptized. Those things are fine in their place. others who need to come. Many have come just to spend a little time at the altar. When they're finished, they'll go back to their seat. They will not be bothered by anybody. If you want someone to help you, you stop and see us. That's what we're here for. But we're not going to intrude. If you need to come, you come. Some have come saying, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'd like to be sure. Very wise decision very wise decision. If you need to come, you come. If you're not sure you're saved, you might be a member of this church. I was pastoring a soul winning fundamental King James Bible Baptist church in, Vict in um, what was called Victory Baptist in uh, Lafayette, Georgia. When my wife, who was a soul winner, a prayer warrior, a Bible student, a Sunday school teacher, nursery director, the pastor's wife, came running down the aisle crying out, I'm not saved, gave her heart to Jesus Christ. That's very possible. You mark it down. I can't prove it now, but I will be able to later. Hell is full of people who slid off a Baptist church pew and went there. Would you come right now? You're not 100% sure, but you'd like to be. You come. While these are praying, some are being helped and dealt with. It's very possible, very, very likely, that I didn't say a word about your need. But sometime during the service, God did. And He pointed out an area of your life that you need to do business with heaven about. Why don't you come? Why don't you come? Just spend a little time at the altar and do business with God about that area of your life. You come while she plays. We have a couple still being prayed with at the altar. 
As she continues to play, we have a couple still being dealt with. If you're getting tired, please be seated. Just keep your head bowed and eyes closed, praying for the service of those who come. This is the most important part of the service. I have news for you. The preaching is not the most important part. The invitation is. This is a time when people are asked to apply the Word of God to their lives and make a difference for eternity. So if you're tired and you want to be seated, I'd be perfectly all right. I would. You're more than welcome to do so. And you pray for those who are still being dealt with. I, I, I'm not in the practice. I'm not in the practice of holding unnecessarily long invitations. But neighbor, the fact is, as long as I'm, I have my senses... I'm not going to do anything on purpose to cut off the Holy Spirit while He deals with hearts. If you need to come, you come. While she plays another verse, we have somebody still praying over here. You come. By the way, if you're not going to come to the altar, and that's perfectly all right. You pray where you are. You pray for those who have come, who are seeking answers, or are seeking to turn their hearts to Christ. She plays. Play another verse. Some are still at the altar. Some are being dealt with. You know, that old song, the famous evangelist who in his heyday was was a great evangelist, uh, who in his later years went a little off haywire, but used to use that song. He made that song famous. Just as I am without one plea. That's how you come to Jesus. Just as you are. I dealt with a man who was the head of the mafia in Vicksburg, Mississippi one day. He was in a hospital bed, and as I left the room, I grabbed his big toe. And I asked him, I said, Buzz, here's a man who's head of the mafia. I said, if you, if Jesus would be willing to take you just like you are, wouldn't you be willing to take him just like he is? Tears streamed down his face and he said, Absolutely. I've never had a deal like that offered me. And he got saved. Jesus doesn't want you to clean up first. He wants you to come like you are. He'll take care of the rest. You just trust him. Play, play, play one more verse through, sis. We have some still praying. If you're getting tired, please be seated. I know this is unusually lengthy for some, and I understand that. I'm trying to be very careful not to cut off the Holy Spirit while He's working in the hearts of some. So well, let's do. What, what, what number is that, sis? What number? 294. 294. Let's open our songbooks and sing that. May find a songbook. Somebody grab me a songbook, brother, will you? 294. Let's, let's sing that first verse. Just as I am. We'll sing it together. Just as I am with. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou didst me 
Next verse. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blood to thee whose blood can cleanse its Sing the third verse, just as I am, though tossed about, just as I am, though tossed about, with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, Number four, just as I am, for wretched, blind, sight, wretched, healing of the mind, yea, all I need in thee. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Just as I am, thou wilt receive. Wilt welcome, pardon, cleanse, relieve. Because thy promise I believe, O Lamb of God. Last verse, just as I am, thy love unknown, sing, just as I am, thy love unknown, hath broken every barrier down, now be Seated for just a moment, please. Go ahead and play through again just a little bit. I want to apologize for the lengthy invitation, but I'm not going to. Uh, for the one reason is I'm leaving this afternoon anyway. Another reason is some are doing business with heaven. That's the most important thing we do around here. Both it's more important than all the singing. It's more important than all the giving. It's more important than all the missionary activity it's more important than anything else in the world somebody's doing business with heaven that's what we're all about if that's not what it's all about why are we here that's what it's all about you pray for the one who's come those who come One more, one more time through all this suffice.
God sure is good, isn't He? And uh, I, uh, I'm thankful for His Word. And uh, boy, for those of us that are saved and trusted Christ as our Savior, it's it certainly is a joy to hear a message like we've heard this morning. And I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to the day that we're going to go to heaven. But it also ought to ought to motivate us and encourage us to live rightly and to be busy telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Dave, is it okay if I share this morning about you coming, what you've come for this morning, or would you prefer to wait on that? Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot. So, <laughs> after I already did. So, um, Dave's a good friend of mine. We met met a number of years ago in a aviation club, and uh, we've had some talks over the years. And he's been struggling uh, about salvation, and just wanted this morning to come and, and get that settled. Uh, and so. Uh, pray for him, uh, that God will encourage him along the way, uh, but uh, put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, specifically this morning. And I, I, I know he's had moments in the past where he said, you know, I'm trying, I'm working on it. But, you know, we've all been there, haven't we? We've all been in a similar situation and uh, times that our hearts have struggled. And uh, but today, once and for all, finally, he's making that commitment to the Lord, and I want you to be able to rejoice with him in that decision, and uh, encourage him along the way. Uh, what a great joy it is to to get to that place where you finally say, "Lord, I'm I'm not trusting what I can do. I'm trusting what you've done for me on Calvary, and that's it." And uh, what a peace there is in that. So appreciate him coming today. Appreciate Brother Tully being here, and uh, what a joy. Uh, to hear the Word of God preached in such a way that it encourages our hearts and strengthens our faith. And as we leave here today, hopefully we'll uh, not uh, quickly forget the message, but that we would live each and every day with it upon our hearts. Um, We're going to go ahead and pray in just a moment, be dismissed in prayer. We have lunch downstairs and uh, looking forward to the time of fellowship. And I want to encourage you to stay with us today, even if you don't normally do, do so. Uh, Brother Tolly will be preaching one last time at 1 o'clock or right around that 1 o'clock hour. And we'd love for you to stay for lunch with us and uh, be here for that 1 o'clock service as well. And uh, as he said, this is the dessert coming up, I guess, right? Uh, the dessert. And looking forward to it. So let's stand together. We'll dismiss in prayer. I do want to say uh, we've put an offering plate in the back. And if you'd like to be a help to Brother Tully in his ministry, he doesn't charge us anything to come here. He doesn't. When I ask him to come preach, he doesn't say, "Well, I got to have so much money to travel and to be here." But if you'd like to have a part in his ministry, uh, if you'd like to give something, the offering plate is sitting back there on the back table. Uh, if you've come prepared to give uh, today, that'd be great. If you need to make a check out, make it out to Keith Heights Baptist Church, and we will put the checks all together and make one check to him um, and get that to him this afternoon. But if it's something you'd like to try to be a help and a blessing to him along the way. Um, and God is faithful. He takes care of His servants, but He does that oftentimes through His people. So uh, let's be faithful in that area and see what the Lord would have us to do there. Okay? Let's go ahead and pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're so thankful for the messages today. We're thankful for the decisions that have already been made. And pray that You would seal them upon our hearts and our minds, that You would strengthen us for the days ahead. And so, Father, help us, I pray. Um, to rejoice in the things that You've done in our lives. We thank You for salvation and how how wonderful it is and what it means to us to know, to absolutely know that we're on our way to heaven. To have put our faith and our trust in what You've done for us on Calvary, to trust it and it alone to give us salvation and forgiveness of sin. And Lord, if there's anyone else here today that does not know for sure, I pray that even after the, the prayer is done and the the time of leaving and fellowship takes place, I pray that you would help them to seek one of us out and to allow us to take the Bible and show them how today they can put their faith and their trust in you and make that decision for you. Bless the food and the time of fellowship to follow and the service to follow. I pray that you'll continue to work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Dismiss us with your blessings. Amen.